Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Dr. Nick Paragini. Hey, guys. Coach Rob Rubina. How we doing? And Dr. Ray Carr. Hey, how's everyone doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Um, anyway, today we're going to talk about return to running progressions um, because this is something that we deal with um, weekly, definitely, in, in the physical therapy clinic. And, and Rob, I think you're dealing with some return to running type stuff as we coordinate on um, patients as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we can even take it into how return to running translates into return to performance as well as we get later into the podcast. Um, but basically the reason we wanted to bring this up today is because we see a serious lack of progression and a lack of thought when people want to begin a running program. Um, I mean, inherently running is one of the easiest ways that people can exercise. You need very little equipment. I mean, you could even run barefoot if that's something that, that you're into. Um, and then you just step outside your front door and go, right? Unfortunately, people tend to neglect um, how high level of an activity running is. Um, if you've been in our clinic before, you know that we've described running as a series of single leg hops that people need to learn to land on one leg, control one leg, and then take off of that leg as they propel themselves forward onto the next leg. Um, so that means being... Um, strong and stable um, in single leg stance and then being resilient as you have to tolerate volume as you progress into a running program. Um, so there's, there's a lot of considerations that we take into rehab programs and I'm sure Rob with your strength programs that you do when, when people are coming back from an injury. Um, and, and we see traditionally that there's a lot of physical therapy clinics, a lot of strength coaches, even a lot of physicians that won't take the necessary progressions to return people to running. Um, we see physicians saying, well, just rest for six weeks and then start slowly and go without um, any guidance in the progression. Um, we see a lot of physical therapy clinics just going toward, they're doing um, straight leg, um, you know, sideline straight leg ranges on the table. They're doing single leg bridges. They're doing um, band walks and then they're putting people on a treadmill without a series of, of landing first and hopping progressions to return someone um, to running and then a management of the volume as they build up um, through that. Um, typically in our clinic, what we will do is we will make sure that people have, and, and I'll just kind of set the state standard and then we'll have some other people talk, but um, we're making sure people are um, positioning their hips well and keeping that position with good stability. Then we'll make sure they have good single leg strength. Then we're working them into landing progressions. Um, then we're, um, once they can land well, because you have to be able to break the car before you can drive it fast. Once they can land well, then we're working on propelling forward because we know that they'll be able to land and break the car um, in the proper ways. Um, so, so Ray, what are, Ray and Nick, what are some of your thoughts from a rehab standpoint 
um, about what you guys are seeing and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on um, some of the progressions that I just talked about um, early stages in the rehab process as they're getting uh, working on strength and stability and in, in, on one leg as they um, work towards some of the more plyometric stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, I think this is something that we do uh, extremely well at the training room in Garner Valley. Um, for instance, I had somebody come in yesterday, Nick, you were, you were there, uh, ACL repair three years ago, three years ago, and was still, still in the process of trying to get back to playing soccer and back on the soccer field. And to me, that's, um, I mean, you see this way too often too. Uh, you know, I think in some types of, in some type of PT environments, it can be a challenge for the therapist uh, to really progress that, you know, return to play protocol or return to running progression. Um, whether it's just the PT is forced to see a lot of volume, whether maybe the environment isn't catered towards really, you know, maybe it's equipment, maybe it's room, maybe it's just overcrowded, uh, you know, but it's just not an environment that really enables you to operate in that fashion. Um, but regardless, uh, fortunate enough here at the training room in Garner Valley, where we have plenty of room, plenty of time, uh, plenty of one-on-one -on -one care. So typically, like John mentioned, uh, how I like to start, uh, I do a ton of unilateral strengthening, um, whether it's split squats, single leg squats, single leg REL, everything to just help uh, diminish the asymmetries you typically see from side to side, uh, especially as you get back into running and you're working through those progressions. And then typically once I start to see the strength and stability uh, deficits shrink um, and the athlete is prepared to begin running, typically like John, John stated, I start with landing. Um, you know, running is literally a series of single leg hops. Um, but in order, in order to, you know, operate in a healthy manner and from a performance standpoint, you really have to, to learn how to accept load and manage load as, as you're landing. Cause otherwise that's where you see your ACL injuries, you see your ankle sprains, um, just because of that lack of stability. So I usually start with landing. Um, once I feel comfortable with the athlete being able to land properly, um, that's where I might move into some landing, um, into hopping, bounding movements, into repetitive hopping, bounding movements, uh, single leg hopping, jumping. Um, once they have a solid foundation of that, I usually might progress to, uh, you know, single leg or double leg box jumps with maybe a single leg landing. Um, you know, and then once I feel comfortable with that, then maybe I might move into more frontal plane. Um, it's going to vary. Uh, I try not, I mean, I think one of the things that we do really well, like I said, it is these return to running progressions um, or just return to play progressions as a whole. And I think one of the reasons that makes us effective is that, you know, we treat each athlete individually. Um, no athlete is the same. And even though, sure, there's protocols out there for ACLs, for return to running, for return to throwing, um, you have to understand every athlete does progress at their own pace. And, you know, you shouldn't – don't allow that protocol or that return to running progression to limit your athlete, you know, uh, use it to help accelerate their rehab and uh, move forward there. What are your uh, thoughts, Nick? 
Yeah, right. Really, uh, really great, great thoughts there. I, you know, I echo a lot of the same, you know, concepts you, you mentioned there. You know, one, one of the things I think is important is just it, when talking about returning to running, you know, like you said, Ray, is that each person is, you know, an individual case. And I think it's important to, you know, differentiate, you know, are we dealing with uh, a more of acute or traumatic incident, maybe from a, a field sport athlete or, you know, whatever, whatever have you, or are we dealing with, you know, an overuse type injury um, on running? You know, whatever the case is, let's say it is a traumatic incident or more of an acute injury. I think there are a lot of things that we can be doing from a preparation standpoint uh, while, while respecting, you know, healing times. You know, we have a few, you know, even ankle sprains, um, you know, currently on, on our caseload and, you know, that are looking to get back to running. And some things that we're going to be doing is, like, like you said, working on, you know, single leg strength, working on. Um, you know, balance through the hip, knee, you know, ankle complex, you know, as that ankle begins to strengthen um, and progress towards a, a more plyometric based, you know, plan of care. But um, I think it's important, again, you know, Ray said about the, the, the return to running protocols and understanding that when we do have a, a dose, whether that be initiation of like low level plyometrics, whether it's you know, bunny hops, um, light skipping, uh, unweighted single leg hopping, whatever the case is, is that we're always looking at that, that person's response to the stress on the body. And if, if we see that the athlete is, has responded well and, and they're not dealing with increases in pain or, you know, increases in whatever, you know, their symptoms are, we know that's a way that we can progress to more, uh, more advanced plyometric or more load. You know, we know when, when running, we're looking at a, an average of three times body weight ground uh, vertical reaction forces through the body. Um, so it's important that we're able to, you know, progress that load to make sure when they go back to running, they have experienced those loads on their tissues, uh, on their joints before making that, you know, return to running. And I think obviously the mechanics and the strength work is paramount in getting someone ready to return to running. And once they're running, it's important that we're managing their, uh, their workload and building up a workload that's uh, protective before um, really increasing their mileage. Um, great points, guys. I think both brought up some points about, um, Ray, especially you talked about frontal plane movements. So the frontal plane is being able to control the side-to-side -side motion of your hips. And, and although running for most people is a straight ahead um, movement, you have to be able to control um, three planes of motion. So you have to be able to control rotation um, because there's rotation going on. You have to be able to control right to left movement and you have to be able to control front to back movement. So um, these are things that should be addressed in um, a comprehensive rehab or strength conditioning program. Um, if you're coming out of the injury process or if you're just looking to perform better in um, you know, improve your fitness and running. So, um, working three planes of motion, being able to control, um, the side to side motion in your hips, because, um, even though you're going forward, every time you take a step, your foot's having to become an, um, a mobile adapter to the surface that it's running on. Um, and foot feet directly affect hips and hips directly affect feet. So if, if hips are preparing the foot to, um, become a mobile adapter and they can stabilize the foot as it strikes the ground, um, great. 
And as the foot sends information back up to the hip and with stability, um, they need to coordinate together. And that's why hips are a huge part of our program and being able to control um, the leg through three planes of motion as um, the foot hits the ground. So that, that's where that single leg stance stability comes into. Um, so as people are working through like their plyometric progressions and then working into um, running, what are some of the things you guys think about when allowing someone to return to running? Um, is there a certain amount of volume um, you're having them start out with on their first run? Are there certain warm-ups that you have them doing? Um, and then weekly, is there a certain amount of volume that you're only allowing them to um, increase as they work into their runs? Um, yeah, so I think, uh, well, I'll touch on, so I think anytime you're getting an athlete back into, you know, the running process, I, I love as a therapist to also take that time, especially because a lot of our athletes come from group settings where they, you know, they undergo group warmups and everything. And I think that's great. There's nothing wrong with that, but I do think we all move differently. And so I, I love to get a nice individualized, like, you know, pre-activity warm-up routine uh, implemented with every athlete, you know, not taken away from the group, group warm-up or anything like that, but just, you know, maybe some extra movements that are specific to, you know, their, their individual uh, demands and needs. Um, what are your thoughts, Nick, Rob? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, having indiv individualized warm up is is definitely paramount for someone who's going to be taking part in a in a running based sport, even even a, even plyometrics in a in a group fitness, you know, setting. But as people are again progressing towards you know their their running, um, having a framework for them to to work in with at least how much that they're running. So you know, once someone is able to run. 100 meters pain-free doesn't mean that they're they're ready to go back to their old workload of running you know 20 miles a week um again it's i think it's important that as a physical therapist or 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 any coach that's dealing with athletes you know returning to running is that you're setting you know some standards and setting some expectations of hey you know we're going to be increasing you know 10 mileage 10 percent each week um at, at a certain intensity or a certain rpe um, so as someone is making their way through that rehab process and healing process, again, that's just, um, you know, some expectations that need or, or conversations that need to be had, you know, with, uh, with the coach and the athlete of what to expect as we build back up. And I like that the conversations that have to be had because the hardest thing to, um, get a runner to do is to stop running. They're, they're notoriously a population that, um, for whatever reason, they can't miss a run. Doesn't matter if they're running through, you know, a broken leg or a torn hip labrum or whatever. But like, John, I need the runner's high. I know, that's there. You go. Um, so that's where clear expectations need to be set out. And um, we've talked about before and helping them find alternatives to training. Like, if yeah. they still need to get their workouts and they they don't want to lose um, the cardiovascular fitness that they've built up. That's where. Um, we need to help them become informed with alternatives to training so they don't lose the, the training, lose the training effect and that they can seamlessly return right back into running as we go through the progression. Yeah. And yeah, one, one more thing on that, you know, what I think what happens is as again, we're progressing someone back to, you know, maybe pain-free running, um, 
is exciting, right? Because we're out of pain and we feel like we can do more. And I think what sometimes where we get in trouble is when, you know, someone says, I just wanted to see where I was at or they, you know, were, were feeling good and, you know, ended up doing, you know, too much too soon, you know, after too little for too long. And, you know, that, it, that's just something, again, that needs to be had that conversation of how we're going to build back up responsibly uh, to get back to prior level of performance. I think just for you, too, you know, I think what you guys have been saying has been absolute gold so far. Um, you know, I hope a lot of people take take that with a grain of salt that you know, everything you guys are saying is awesome. But I think a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of players and athletes kind of get into trouble when, you know, they don't follow this awesome advice. You know, when they just, oh, I'm just going to back my mileage off or oh, I'm just going to take it easy for a week or no, that's not, that's not going to work. You're going to just keep getting hurt. Um, so having a good return to play protocol, having good progressions, having a good evaluation, you know, I think are major key components of, of return to play, um, especially when it relates to running. Um, but some things that I would recommend is, you know, hey, let's make sure your technique doesn't change um, from, a, from a running technique standpoint especially when someone's about to begin maybe jogging or running or sprinting, you know, taking some slow-mo video from the side and analyzing that and, you know, make sure there's no asymmetry, no, you know, faulty mechanics that might be happening when someone's sprinting or jogging. Um, so that's definitely something that I would recommend. Um, and then just continuing to progress someone from a rehab standpoint, so continuing to push single leg strength, continuing to push single leg stability, to produce and um, you know single leg plyometric activities um, and just those activities. Uh, I think that's kind of how I would kind of progress someone from a, you know from maybe it's just did some therapy or school in therapy. Um, and I think the training component I had earlier is what's hard to this person when they can. Cross-training that they're not doing that they like to do. You know, like if they just love to run, they just love to bike. Like they can strength train, or they can do something else to keep their aerobic fitness up, or shape so that they're feeling good when they are able to um, to running. I think you know, that's just some of my thoughts on on return to run and you know, what you guys have said so far. Is spot on. Well, and I think Rob, what you said there is a part of our rehab process. We should be addressing some of those things because we can't address them in in um, like no impact situations, running form type stuff. And then as we're progressing people back into impact, um, we can work on running form in a pool. You could work on running form in a pool as soon as a an ACL surgery incisions closed three weeks out of surgery right? You can be doing those things early and then you can progress into um, some of the, um, you know, the gravity lesson treadmills yeah, and then you can work into that kind of yeah, stuff. What, so, are guys, what are your thoughts on the gravity treadmills? They're great. I think they're great that they, they lessen some of the um, percentage of body weight that people are working on. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it's tough to find a clinic that has those just because they're a little right. expensive, but at the same time, they can be very valuable um, in, coordinated, in coordinated effort with um, the team, like your PTs or your strength coaches that you have around you. Would a return to running program be different for a straight runner compared to like a field sport athlete? 
how would you guys handle each case differently? Yeah, I think um, I really think, well, for each runner, yeah, I mean, I always ask like mileage per week, um, especially for long distances, uh, for long distance runners, just because, I mean, it can fluctuate. And I feel like that baseline does play a role when you begin to rehab and progress someone back into running. Whether you want to use that that volume per week as kind of a parameter to work back towards, um, whether you want to use it as a way to kind of gauge maybe foot contacts throughout sessions, so you prevent like overload and you know re-injury. Um, yeah, but I definitely think to answer your question, Rob. I mean, from whether it's a sprinter or maybe it's uh, you know your weekend runner that maybe does 20 miles on the weekends. Yeah, I think there's going to be uh, definite differences in approaches back to uh, running. Whereas maybe with a sprinter, I'm working on maybe less, I'm not so much as worried about foot contacts as I am that runner being able to handle um, and tolerate power and, you know, um, explosiveness through maybe even simple movements as a single leg squat or turning a squat into a jump squat or, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Whereas maybe with a long distance runner, I'm more geared towards maybe trying to progress foot contacts and building up that foundation. Um, so, and I think all, I think collectively, whether you're working with a sprinter, whether you're working with a long distance runner, I also feel like it's a good time to, if we have to refine mechanics, that's a good place to do that as well. Um, it's also a great place as a PT to provide some education to your patient on overload, on overtraining, um, because there is that fine line between overtraining and undertraining. And for runners, I mean, I feel like it's a constant battle and you want to walk that line pretty closely, but it's very easy for runners to, you know, surpass that volume or surpass that mark distance that they really should be hitting. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I, yeah. And I think one of the, you know, big things that I know I'm, I'm going to be adding in a, in a plan of care with a, with a field sport athlete, you know, as they progress through is, you know, their, their change of direction, uh, whether that's quick burst of acceleration, deceleration, you know, moving side to side and then, you know, progressing, uh, to a level of randomness or chaos or, or reactive agility, you know, where you're, you're having to make split second decisions that, Ultimately, it, it forces the athlete to use their, uh, use their, you know, potentially injured body part uh, without hesitation. And you'll see if they are hesitating, again, they're, they're compensating somewhere in their, in, their, in their kinetic chain or in their movement patterns. And that's something that, again, it's going to let me let the therapist know about their readiness to return to sport at, at full speed. Now, would you like slowly progress them to like practice? you know, practice to half a game, to a quarter, to a full game, you know, how, how would you guys manage their, you know, if they are in season or whatever it might be, you know, was it just practice first or practice for a week or how would you manage that? Sometimes it depends on the, the athlete, depends on the coach, how much he wants to coordinate, depends on where they are in the season. Um, like we have an All-American lacrosse player, Going into the, the week before playoffs, he pulled his hamstring. We managed it. He missed the first game of playoffs. His team got a bye. The practice before their first um, playoff game, like district playoff game, second round, 
he put it again in kind of his return to play progressions because we kind of tried to push it a little bit because he was in playoffs and he's a, a prime key player that they need. And this is with him in the lineup, they could win a state championship with him out of the lineup. They might not even make state playoffs. So we're, you know, him, we kind of rushed the protocol a little bit and it backfired, but so, so is hamstrings, but the athletic trainer were on board, the PTs, us were on board. And so was the coach and trying to kind of manage that and see what happened. Um, you know, sometimes if it's earlier in the season, we have more time to play with. Um, but yes, generally we're going case by case situation and making sure we can hopefully manage the athlete appropriately to, um, manage the volume as they progress back into things. And sometimes coach, athletic trainer, where they are in the season dictates that a little bit, but yeah, we're always thinking that. All right. Well, that's our thoughts on return to running progressions, guys. We appreciate you listening again. As always, please share the podcast as we are continuing to try to get the word out and spread um, some of the um, ways that we look at things in the rehab and strength and conditioning field. Um, so as always, if you have any questions or topics you want us to do, please email me at J-H-E-R-T-I-N-G at the training room PT.com. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening, guys.